Welcome to episode number nine of the Hold Fast podcast, where we have biblical truths for daily battles. This is now my third time attempting to hit record in this episode because, uh, as many of you know, my office and where I have this podcast booth is really, really close to train tracks. So trains keep going by. I mean, right as I press record, um, I've heard several trains go by now three times. And so we're going to try this again. And if you hear a train in the background, I am not stopping it again because we're just going to keep going. Hopefully it won't be too loud or distracting if it does come through. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic uh, that is really basic or essential to Christianity. We're going to be talking about church. And, and, and when I talk about church, I guess really what I'm saying is the gathering of the church, because the church is God's people. Universally, God's people is the church. The church is not a building. We don't go to church. We are the church, you might have heard said before. But why is gathering as the church so important? And I'm, I'm not only talking about Sunday gatherings either, but why is it important to, we use the phrase in the church world, do life together with other Christians? Why is it important to spend your lives together? And, and is there a difference between what the world would see as community and what the Bible defines as community? I think there is. I think that oftentimes when people say that they wanna do life together, that they wanna raise their kids in the church, that they want community, I don't think that they fully understand oftentimes what they're really asking for. And so I wanna go through at least a little bit of what the Bible talks about when it talks about community. And I wanna say this, if you think, say this up front, because this is important, this is gonna set up the conversation. If you think that biblical community is simply a way to fill your social calendar with other Christians, you have a very different view of community than the Bible does. And I would say that your view of community um, is really not full of life and joy like what Scripture presents. You might think that it's great to have a group of people that you spend your time with, that you have meals with, that you go to events with, and, and all of that has value, and that can be aspects that you may find in biblical community, but that's not the way that the Bible describes biblical community. If you want to know how Scripture defines it, I would encourage you to do your own study. Look through the New Testament and look for this phrase that keeps popping up. It's the phrase, one another. And we're actually going to do that on the podcast today. I'm going to look at several of the one another's of Scripture. What does the Bible command Christians to do when you are together, when you are around each other, when you're doing life together? What are the things that you're supposed to be doing towards one another? Now, this conversation could go a lot of different ways. We could talk about what, what's important to have in a church service, the preaching of the word and singing and prayer. All of those things are important. But what I'm talking about is how are we to treat one another? How are we to, to respond to one another and do life together? What does that look like? What are the aspects of that as Christians? And how does that differ from the world's idea of community? Because let's be honest, there are people in this world who are not believers who have really solid friendships and relationships. They have people that they can tell anything to. They have people that know everything about them that would be there for them at the drop of the hat. So is there something that separates biblical community from that? Because some of those things we are commanded to do as Christians, but is there something more that the world does not fully understand that the world does not have in their own relationships? I believe that there is. So the one another's in scripture. We're going to look at several of these, not all of them, because that phrase occurs uh, probably about a hundred times in the New Testament or more, and uh, there are many commands associated with it. So let's look at a few of those. The number one that we need to start with, because it's the umbrella for all the others, is we are commanded 
many times, at least 16 times in the New Testament, to love one another, okay? And all the other commands really are a fleshing out of what love one another looks like. Now, for some reason, we gravitate towards this, and in John 13, 34, Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples if you love one another. We hear that and we go, that's all we need. We just, all we need is love, right? And then we don't ever define what that love is actually supposed to look like. So scripture does that for us, and it shows us what we're supposed to do as we seek to love one another. One of the commands that we find in Romans 12 is that we are to be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another. I think far too often, Gathering together with other believers and and being a part of the church is something that we do if we have time for it. If if it fits our schedule and if we feel like it and if we're not sick and if it doesn't rain, then then we'll be a part of that. I mean, one of the ways that I see this fleshed out is on Sunday mornings. People people will gather together with the church on Sunday mornings as long as the weather's nice and they were able to get their kids ready and, and their weekend wasn't too crazy. But if there's a holiday weekend, um, even if they are in town, a lot of times people are going to neglect church because it's a chance for them to rest and they'll get back to church when it's convenient for them. Now, I'm not suggesting, if you know me, you know that I don't believe that just being in church every single Sunday is what makes you a Christian. That's not the case that I'm making. But if we're really going to fulfill the command to be devoted to one another, then I believe a part of that is making it a priority to gather with God's people on Sundays in community groups. It is something that requires intentionality. It's something that requires you saying, this is something that is in my schedule. This is something that we will do as a family, and then we'll make everything else fit around that because we are devoted to the body of Christ. Another command is to live in harmony with one another. We find that in Romans 12 as well. Live in harmony with one another. Live in unity with one another. And that is unity of doctrine. That's, that's unity around what you think it means to follow Christ. That doesn't mean that you eat the same foods and, and watch the same movies and do the same activities together all the time. That just means that there is a harmony with the things that you believe and the way that you live towards Christ. Same command can be said when Paul says in Romans 15 to be like-minded towards one another. Now, those are things that you may find in worldly communities. You might find a devotion to one another and a unity with one another, but there are some things that I want to talk about now as we begin to get into the second half of this podcast that I don't believe that the world really truly has, that Christians are commanded to have in our community. And I would go so far as even to say that many Christians don't do this in our relationships with one another because these things that we're going to talk about are difficult, but... As difficult as these things are, the purpose of talking about them is not because it's just difficult to talk about. The purpose of talking about them is because if we do these things that we're going to talk about, we will see what a true, robust Christian relationship is supposed to look like, what it truly means to be in community with your brothers and sisters in Christ. A couple of things that we find here. Galatians 6.2, Paul says to bear one another's burdens. And in the context there in Galatians 6, he's actually talking about to to bear one another's burdens in relation to temptations and sin, to find out the things that your brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling with as it relates to sin, and to bear that burden with them, to pray for them, to challenge them, to encourage them uh, to pursue after Christ and to repent from their sin. Similar command to that is to Ephesians 4, speak the truth in love to one another to speak the truth in love to one another. 
We want to talk a lot about what it means to love one another and to forgive and extend mercy and grace, but we've also got to be willing to tell one another hard truths, to challenge one another according to the Word of God. Now, here's where this differs from the world because, again, there may be uh, unsaved friends who are willing to call out hard things in each other's lives, but specifically what this is talking about is sin. Specifically, this is saying that if your brother or sister in Christ is living in a way that's not lining up with Scripture, that no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how risky it is to your friendship, that you are willing to go to them and to speak the truth to them in love. All the while, make sure that you are, Ephesians 4.32, being kind and compassionate to one another. Don't neglect love just for the sake of telling somebody the hard truth, but love them enough to tell them the truth and speak that truth to them in love love. We're also commanded in Ephesians 5 to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we are commanded to, to sing together, that we're commanded to speak truth to one another, that we're, we're commanded to worship God together and rejoice together, and that primarily happens on Sunday mornings as we gather as the church, but man, this is something that we should do other times as well. We should praise God together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's another one. Philippians 2.3, consider others as more important than yourselves. Consider one another as more important than yourself. This is one of the hardest ones to fulfill. That I would consider you to be more important than me, that your needs, spiritual needs, physical needs, whatever it may be, are more important than my own, and I'm going to sacrifice and give my life for the sake of caring for you, of loving you. Another one. In Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 5 is that we are called to submit to one another. We're called to, we're called to humble ourselves, to not think ourselves better than one another. Another passage in Romans says to outdo one another in showing honor. To, to, to almost, in a sense, make it a competition of who is, who is sacrificing more for the sake of others. Bear with one another, Colossians 3.13 says. So when I am calling out sin in your life or when I am, when you are doing things that may be even frustrating to me or that you're living in such a way that, that, that I don't even like or I wouldn't live that way or I wouldn't do that thing, I want to bear with you. I want to have patience with you. I want to know that what unites us is far more important than what, what may divide us and what may be different about us, that we are united in Christ we have perfect unity and harmony available to us through Christ Jesus. And so no matter how different we may be, no matter the backgrounds that we may come from, we can bear with one another. We can work this out because let's be honest, what we're talking about here is really messy. It can be messy at times. And I know that's a, that's a buzzword. So, so let me maybe explain that a little bit further. Community can be messy because when you're calling out sin in one another's lives and you're praying for one another and you're seeking to outdo one another and showing honor, it gets really difficult. And, and, and it, gets, it can get really messy because sin can be messy and relationships can be messy at times. And so we want to make sure that we are bearing with one another in that process. Colossians 3 also tells us that we are to teach one another, that we should point one another to sound doctrine. 1 Thessalonians 4, we are to comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, we are to encourage one another. Hebrews 3, we, we are to exhort one another. 
I think that we, we love the command to encourage one another, but exhort is, is even stronger than that. Exhort is to be willing to teach the hard truths, be willing to point somebody to Christ, even if you're having to point out their sin, as we've already talked about. Hebrews 10 says to stir up, which literally means to to provoke, (laughs) to almost pester one another, to love and to good works. Don't be content when you see your brothers and sisters in Christ sitting on the sidelines. If they're not engaging a community, stir them up to love and good works. If 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 they're content with sitting on the sidelines and not serving and not being a part of making disciples, then love them enough to stir them up to those things. 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another. Be hospitable towards one another. Have one another over in your homes and and, and treat one another like family. Show love to one another. And this also, by the way, that command to show hospitality, the word hospitality in the scripture is love for strangers. So this means that even if if you meet a fellow brother or sister in Christ who you don't really know, they're new to you, that instantly there is there is this love, this hospitality that you should show towards them because you are united in Christ. Don't wait until you spent years and years and years and you know everything about them to really get serious about pursuing your relationship with them, your friendship with them. 1 Peter 4 also tells us to employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another, for the benefit of one another. I want to know how God has gifted me, not just so I can serve in church on Sundays, but so that I can encourage and serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. If I'm gifted with the gift of hospitality, then I want to make sure that I'm hospitable towards my brothers and sisters in Christ. If I'm gifted with the gift of giving, if I have a generous heart, not only do I want to be generous to the offering plate on Sundays, but my generosity needs to extend to my brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need, who I can be generous toward. And then the last two that I want to focus on kind of go together. In in James 5.16, we're told to pray for one another and we're told to confess our faults to one another. And we've kind of touched on this, but I want to get really practical as I wrap this up. This is a part of biblical community that I think is maybe most missing in the church world today. That we are willing to confess our sins to one another. That we have somebody in our lives that we, can, that we, that we are willing to go to and confess our shortcomings, our failures to. Who we know will point us to Christ and will pray for us. See, the Bible says, yes, confess your sins to the Lord and he'll forgive you, but then confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. You wanna find true freedom and and real total healing in your sin and your struggle with sin, then you need to confess to one another and you need to be willing to be a listening ear to your brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through this. So you not only wanna be the person who is willing to call out sin in your brother or sister's life, you want to be the one who is willing to listen and to show mercy toward them and to point them towards Christ and to pray for them when they stumble and fall into sin. See, this kind of biblical community, much like the marital relationship, prioritizes holiness over happiness prioritizes Christ in one another's lives over comfort. It doesn't just look for convenient opportunities to love one another. It seeks to sacrificially love one another in all things. It prioritizes gathering together as believers. It prioritizes finding ways to disciple one another, to pour into one another, to point one another towards Christ, to, to, to encourage and exhort one another to repent from sin 
to care for one another, to be willing to give them the shirt off your back, to be willing to sacrificially give to meet the physical needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ, to have that community like we see in Acts where there's not a needy person among them because we're all sharing the things that we have, not in this way of like nobody owns anything, but in this way of, we, we, yeah, we own stuff, but we view other people as more important than ourselves, so we're generous with the things that we have. Man, there's so many more things that we could talk about, but, but that's, that's just kind of a, a few that I wanted to bring to your attention to hopefully get you to begin to see the difference between biblical community and just a really strong friendship. Because biblical community goes further than what this world would view as a strong relationship, as a, as a BFF, as a ride or die, whatever term you want to use. Biblical community is so much deeper, so much more robust than that. And so I want to take all of what we've just said and I want to really bring it to the ground level for maybe where you're at right now. Over the last year and a half now, <laughs> Um, we've been going through, I guess not a year and a half, it's been about a year. Uh, we've been going through uh, this thing we all know called COVID where we're not around each other as much and gatherings are limited and um, it's maybe been a little bit more difficult or you have to get more creative to find ways to love one another. And what I'm seeing is many Christians becoming more and more content with a lack of true biblical community. I'm seeing more and more Christians view church as something that we consume rather than something that we give our lives to rather than a community that we are a part of and we're supposed to sacrifice for and as a pastor it's sad and it's hard because i'm i'm seeing people whose faith is about to be on the rocks because they're not willing to prioritize being a part of the church and i'm not saying this in a judgmental condemning way i'm saying this out of a a loving heart for us to get back to what it truly means to be a part of biblical community for us to value biblical community for us to have such a deep love and affection and care for one another that the world looks in and though they may not understand everything that we do, they can't help but notice our love and know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. The only way they're gonna know that we're disciples of Jesus by our love is if we have the love of Christ for one another, the love that, that seeks to wash one another with the word, the love that seeks to push one another towards Christ, the love that sees your need and is willing to meet it no matter the cost. That kind of love is what we need. That kind of community is what we need. And I got to tell you, I think that there are many Christians right now whose spiritual life is anemic, primarily because you've pulled away from community. I'm pleading with you, with all the love that I can have in my heart for you, whoever you are that may be listening to this, I'm pleading with you. Prioritize community. Prioritize it. Be devoted to one another, as Romans 12.10 says. Know that you are part of the body of Christ, that your faith is not something that's supposed to be individualistic, that you are a part of a community of believers that you're called to love and sacrifice for and gather with and do life with. So I pray for all of us that we would continue to see the beauty of this thing called the church, this gift that God has given us to be in unity with, to have love for one another, to walk with one another hand in hand through the storms of this life, to know that we're not alone, to know that we have somebody beside us who understands, who can pray for us, who, can, who can, we can confess our sins to, who we can pour out our hearts before, who will love us enough to point us to Christ and to help meet our needs. So thanks for listening. As always, 
final reminder that I like to do is if this is helpful for you, share this. Text it to somebody or share it on your social media page. One, one helpful thing you can do is leave a rating or review so that other people would see this. But um, I pray that the church would continue to understand what it means to be in community with one another and love one another in this way. I pray that you listening to this begin to understand and apply those things as well. Love you all. Uh, This has been episode number nine of Hold Fast, and I hope that you join us next time for our next episode.